Hey everyone, welcome to Rising from the Ashes. Ashes. I'm Danny Unaki Dan. And I'm the homie Romy. What is happening? Hey yo, what's hey, going on? Hey buddy. So let's get into some shit, man. All right, all right, all right. What do we got going on, brother? First of all, I like to tell people that in a previous episode, we said we were splitting up our episodes into two parts. And after some deliberation between me and the homie, we decided that if people come on for an hour, you're going to get that episode for an hour. If people come on for two hours, you're going to get it for two hours in one episode now. Being that the views for the second episodes aren't as high as the first, and we want to try to level that out. And, you know, and, and we're getting more people coming on the show now, and we're, we have such a full schedule that we don't want to postpone part twos because we have so many other people lined up, you know? So we want to be able to put those part twos out with just one episode. That way you get the whole thing, and we can put out bigger, better episodes for you guys to hear. And a fruitly. We're looking at our Patreon subscription possibly uh, coming up pretty soon. Uh, we're working on some website yes. um, things going on. Uh, we're going to try to start developing some new artwork for the podcast so we can get some shirts, shirts and merch going on. So all these things are in the process right now. So we're working on them. They're coming. Be ready. Be ready. Be <laughs> ready, you, you sweet fruit bats. Hey, also, listen to this, okay? You listen listen to this right here. Listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to us because we are, in fact, riding on the wings of the phoenix as it rises from the ashes of yesterday's demise to the goodness that is and that will always be. And if you dig it, and if you dig us, if you dig this, if you dig learning with us on this journey that we are all on together, then take your sweet, awesome phone that you cherish so much, whatever app you're using, Spotify, or Pod- Podcast Addict, one of the many apps out there, there's a share button on there. And just take it right now, simple as if you're not working or driving or you know, if you're eating nachos, you got that one free hand. So just share it to Instagram. And if you do that, like we'll know it'll pop up on our messages and we'll, we will shout you out in coming episodes because tag we want us to, yeah, tag us. I think if they post it to Instagram thing, it will tag us naturally, but also tag us again, write something and just be like, yo, Hey, these guys are cool. This interview is great. Um, you know, uh, it, and because we, we see that we got some homies listening. There's people out and there digging it. Hashtag, hashtag rising FT ashes or hashtag rising from the ashes or hashtag RFTA pod in, Ooh. in it also. So we can pick up those hashtags, uh, because when I post stuff for new, uh, videos, I put those hashtags in it also. And uh, so for for sweet fun merch and shirt ideas, I have I have one. Can I pitch one to you? Sure, do it. 
All right. Do you remember that old saying, uh, my dad can kick your dad's ass? Yeah. How about how's this one? My dog will lick your dog's ass. <laughs> no. No? I thought, I thought you were going to say, was... my pod my pod can kick your pod's ass. <laughs> oh, that's good. That actually fits uh, into uh, what we're talking about. I, thought, I was just thinking, man, my, I love my dog. I got a dog recently, and um, it's, it's my version of having a, a human child because I'm just – it puts me in that, the mindset of just constantly thinking about this animal and the health and the well-being when, when he's eating, how much – water is he drinking where's he at is he pooping everywhere and and you know i gotta pull ticks out of his ears and his feet and he steps on stuff and he whines you know all the things but i (laughs) I love him so much and but he's so nasty he just be out here sniffing butts licking them like everything so you know but i'm just I, i i realize that that's just the way of the dog so my dogs bust out of the house and as soon as they bust out of the house they go to where all the cat shit and they eat the cat <laughs> shit oh love that oh it's like why the fuck are you eating cat shit i looked it up <laughs> one time and i guess the reason why they eat the cat shit is because it smells like cat food and you know how much they love cat food i don't know why dogs love cat <laughs> food so much it's the same shit as like what they eat so I have, it's actually I get not it, though. It's it's literally. I mean, it's the same form, but because cats are completely carnivore, carnivorous, like dogs are like seemingly like they're scavengers, right? Like in the wild, mm-hmm. but like they 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 can eat more plant products and be fine, even though mm. the dried food has not enough. Like you should always buy grain free if you can. But cat food has way more meat in it. Way more meat content, way more mm. crude protein, because legally, due to the, you know, the regulations. Because I, I don't know if you know this, but I did try to start a dog food company when I was living in Portland. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was called Besties Premium Pup Cuisine, and it was uh, just wet food, and I made a gravy that you could pour over kibble. So I did a lot of research into it, and um, some of the things I found out that one, pet food regulations are very low. Like certain companies yeah. run it, you know, and like, yeah, you do have to, you know, uh, pay your dues and get your stuff tested. But a lot of these mass companies, they are, they're not, they're like shredding ca- whole cow carcasses. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's unfortunate because we domesticated these animals and, you know, we bring them into our homes and they, they, they're glad to be there because they have a nice home, they have family, you know, and they get food. But, um, you know, we shouldn't have to almost torture them by feeding them dry food with no, like, it's dry. It's like eating, imagine eating dry cereal every day. That's the only <laughs> food you eat. You're a prisoner. Yeah. You, you're a fucking prisoner. Yeah. So, you know, but they're not, and we shouldn't think of them that way. It's just the way, and I, we can go into a whole history of that too. It's the history of the industrial age when everything shifted and started to get processed and packaged. And so that was, wow, I didn't realize we we're going to get into that. But yeah, man, so, that's cat food has way more meat. <laughs> so there you go, folks. You heard it here first on <laughs> Rising from the Ashes. If you under ever wondered why dogs eat cat shit, there you go. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. 
So let's get into some RFTA news. News. So what you got so, for us today, homie? All right, all right. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, a few episodes back, I brought up Shilajit. And since then, I got some raw Shilajit and started taking it. And it's one of those things where, like, you have you, you take something, you know, like you'll take a supplement or a vitamin or whatever in the early part of the day, and you'll just have a fucking tremendous day. You'll feel so good. You'll get a lot of things done. You're chatting to everybody, you know, smiling, be bopping around. And then, you know, sometimes you sit back and you're like, wait, why, why am I so giddy and happy today? Well, I realized that like when I started supplementing with the Shilajit, I, I just tremendous boundless amounts of energy, like a lot of energy, the clean energy, not jittery caffeine. And so, you know, it's, I, I started to just to even do more research. Like there's so much research and clinical studies done on Shilajit and it's been around for nearly 5,000 years. Um, that like, there's just, there's a lot. So I'm probably going to be bringing up a lot of herbs again, as you know, new studies come out or as I find new stuff out or, you know, I, I, um, I take all the things I talk about or I try to. And, uh, and yeah, so anyways, Sheila G is amazing, y'all. Like, I, I really highly recommend getting some and trying it because, so for one reason is important, um, due to, uh, monocropping and mass agriculture, depending on where you buy your food, the amount of hummus, uh, which is hummock and fulvic acid that is in our food, which is very essential minerals that our body needs to support all the gland health to make serotonin and dopamine and things throughout the body to create the balance, um, has been stripped out because of um, unsustainable agricultural practices that we have. And, you know, with with the amount of people that we have in, invested into the shitty GMO stuff and, and, and Bill Gates buying up all the fucking farmland, it doesn't look like we're going to put hummus back into the ground anytime soon. And hummus basically is just compost. It's compost of uh, plant and animal material. And so why it's important um, that we have it in our bodies is like I said, with gland health and the balance of cell production and everything. Well, Shilajit has 85 different minerals in it, right? And a massive amount of fulvic acid. And it's very, very, very rare to have the culmination of these minerals all in one substance. Um, it's the only substance to, to have that wide variety and range of these micro minerals that, are actually absorbed into your body a lot. If um, you can't absorb fulvic acid uh, or hummus and the the combination of uh, minerals that it is, if it didn't have these the special cell structure that it has, so it's very important. And it can't be recreated in a lab. It can only be found in mountain caves, high altitude mountain caves. So the story of Pangaea. Um, and the creation of the continents coming together is where the Himalayan mountains, right, are formed. That's, that's one of the, the mountain ranges in it. And 
the high Himalayan mountains, the story, the old, old uh, story, um, which goes back to Sanskrit days, uh, is that these mountains formed together and it crushed all these trees and plants as the continents formed these mountain ranges. And inside the caves is millennia's worth of decomposing plant material with the minerals in the rocks as well and pressure. So it's very, very special and it is only found in certain areas. Well, the supplementation only came into play with she legit. Um, you know, it was always used as a medicine and, uh, in Chinese and Ayurveda, but recently the reason why it's becoming more prominent and very important that we have it is what I said before, all the food is having less nutrients in it than it used to. An apple doesn't even have the same amount of nutrients as it used to, especially if you buy it in the store and not at a co-op or from an orchard specifically, you know? And uh, and so it's very important that we get this back into our diet because it is essential for human health. And the reasons why I do these subjects and these topics here is because I absolutely love the human at its fullest optimal health. When you have complete balance within your nutrition and your body, the amount of creative energy, sexual energy, spiritual energy, and just energy of like unconditional love and things is it's unmeasurable. And so it's super important to try to go back into the old ways of how we used to connect with the body using these uh, plant medicines. So Shilajit is a, um, it's a very, very old Ayurvedic medicine and it was founded in the Himalayas in that area. So Ayurveda was the number one, like it, it was like the first medicine. It was like the first kind of, uh, you know, culturalized medicine practice. And so much studies have been done still like India. That's why there's a lot of Indian doctors even here in America is because they are the original doctors, right? And so Rasayana, Rasayana, uh, Rasayana is a Sanskrit word literally meaning the path of essence. It is an early Ayurvedic medical term referring to the techniques for lengthening lifespans and invigorating the body. So other studies show that, um, that it is an anti-ager. Like this is absolutely, like absolutely prolongs cell health and, and neuroregenesis. So here's a really fun thing. I'm going to read two of these excerpts and then I'm going to pass the torch to you. Um, because I could keep going on this, but I don't want to, I want to keep it short and I want to keep it to the, the clinical studies. Um, so this is an incredible boost of testosterone, Shilajit, when you start supplementing with Shilajit. Um, the average milligrams in this study that they did was 250 milligrams twice a day. And the increase of testosterone is amazing, but it took 90 days to get these numbers. So here we are. Uh, this is from um, a publication in the Clinical Evaluation of Purified Shilajit on Testosterone Levels. Testosterone and Free Testosterone Estimation. It was observed that PS treated group, there was an increase in testosterone levels on days 30, 60, and 90. Day 30 was 6.82%, 60 was 3.09, and day 90, my friend, was 20.45 increase in testosterone. With respect to day zero, the increment of testosterone levels on day 90 was significant. 
With respect to the values of day zero and placebo-treated group, there was a significant decreasing trend of testosterone level. The level of testosterone and PS-treated group on day 90 was found to be significantly better than the values of placebo-treated group in the same day. The levels of free testosterone and PS-treated group on day 90 was significantly better than day zero value and maintained purity with a testosterone level. Free testosterone level of PS-treated uh, group on day 90 was found to be significantly higher as well than the placebo. So obviously, the Shilajit testosterone boosted the free testosterones and normal DHEA and other types of testosterone compared to the placebo. And that that why that's really good for anti-aging and men and women also is because your testosterone degrades over time. And that's why we come into a lot of health products later in our life, shitty American diet or shitty, you know, uh, uh, stress and the way that society is with the lack of micronutrients that we need to prolong our body. If you look at the people who have been taking the substances the, and the Andes mountains and in China and India for years, they have healthy hair, they have healthy bones, they have long lives because of the micronutrients within Shilaji. Do you have any questions, sir? No, man, you're killing it. Okay, so I'm going to keep going. Um, I'm going to talk about, so I'm not diabetic, but this is another really profound study is the anti-diabetic qualities of Shilaji. High blood sugar is a growing health problem. Millions of people around the world have some degree of high blood sugar and are progressing onto diabetes. Shilajit has long been used for the prevention and treatment of diabetes in Ayurvedic medicine. Shilajit had no discernible uh, per se effect on blood glucose levels in normal studies, but an antuated hyperglycemic response of STZ. So... What I what I notice in the, the researches that I've done is the fulvic acid is such a heavy antioxidant, and it's such a major antioxidant that it allows all of the cells to move throughout and get to where they need to be. It's almost like you could imagine um, a waiter at a busy party, um, you know, and he's got a, a, a platter of uh, food and, and he's going around getting things to people that they, you know, as they ask for them, Oh, I need that. Yes. Oh, I need a bite of that there. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a transmitter of, of so much, uh, nutrition. It's crazy. Um, anti-anxiety. Oh, and this one's good too, because I'm always about sexual health. It's very important. So spermatogenic and oviogenic effects. Shilajit in India is an aphrodisiac. It is well known that Shilajit would return the libido of people to a level of teenagers. The Shilajit increases the core energy responsible for sexual and spiritual power. The use of Shilajit for renewing vitality, the administration of Shilajit to patients showed a remarkable increase in the number of sperm and epidymis in male uh, species and in the number of ovulation induced into females. So that's fucking cool. And this one is one I'm going to finish on here. Mm-hmm. Um, Anti-AIDS activity. Sheila G is endowed with both immunopotentiating and viral load reducing properties. Clinical studies in 
AIDS patients with the multi-component natural production formulation comprising three essentials and three supportive ingredients in which shilajit was one of the essential constituents when the uh, study was conducted. So that's pretty cool. Also, on a final note, for the neurogenesis properties, it's also been known as as one of the best natural nootropics that you can take. And nootropics are amazing. I mean, anything that makes your brain fire off more and and hold more uh, memory is great, dude. I mean, fuck, there's what doesn't Shilajit do at this point, you know? Damn. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Plant medicine is amazing. So what do I got? Plant matter Um, matters. What you got? (laughs) So in this episode today with Micah Dank, who absolutely kills it with the astrotheology stuff, we ask him a little bit about Ophiuchus, which is the 13th constellation. We get into it a little bit, but I want to kind of expound on that. So I got a book here called The 13th Sign by Mary Frances Abamonte. And first of all, so what are the qualities of Ophiuchus? He's the serpent holder. His element is the ether. His ruling planet is Pluto. The, in the anatomy, the third eye and the subtle body. So that's, he represents the third eye. He represents the pineal gland. Uh, his key phase is I heal. Key words of Ophiuchus is revitalization, regeneration, rejuvenation, and rebirth. The symbol of Ophiuchus is the man holding a snake. The glyph is the staff of Asculopalius, which is a serpent coiling around a staff. He's in the eighth house. His color is clear white. His stone is quartz crystal. The flower is the lily, which is also a symbol of rebirth. And his function is feeling. Wow. That's honestly, uh, that, ties in so it seems uh, okay yes please please keep going because this is this is very very interesting so also in this book it also relates to the zodiacal signs referring to parts of the body that it controls so aries the ram and the ruling planet of mars controls the body and the element of fire Taurus, whose symbol is a bull, and the ruler is Venus, controls the neck of the body, and its element is Earth. Gemini, the twin, the ruler is Mercury, the body is the arms, the element is air. Cancer is the crab, the ruler is the moon, the body is the breast, and the element is water. Leo symbol is the lion, the ruler, the sun, the body, the heart, and the element of fire. Virgo, the virgin, the ruler, Mercury, the body is the solar plexus, the element is earth. Libra is a symbol of the scales, the ruler 
a venous. The part of the body is kidney. The element is air. Scorpio, which is represented by a scorpion. The ruler Pluto. The body is the sex organs and the element of water. Ophiuchus is the symbol of the caduceus. The ruler Pluto. The body is the subtle body and the element of ether. The Sagittarius is the archer. The ruler of is Jupiter. The body part is the thighs, the element of fire. The Capricorn is the goat, the ruler of Saturn. The body is bones, the element is earth. Aquarius is the water bearer. The ruler is Uranus. The body is ankles, the element is air. And Pisces is the symbol of fish. The ruler is Neptune. The body is feet. And the element is water. Got any? Got anything about that, homie? Well, I remember asking Micah because I wrote it in my notes when we went on with him. I was like, I thought it was interesting that there is no serpent in the constellations. You know, yeah. there's not. There's it because there's so much symbolism behind the serpent in history that mm-hmm. you know, since everything pulls off of you know. Uh, astrology a little bit, you know, is, is, is from what we know, and especially in astro theology, it shows that a lot of historical text has ties into uh, astrology that I was just kind of like, why is there no serpent? Like what the symbolism mm-hmm. of the serpent is so strong and deep that like it only, I would only think that there would be one. So this for me, it kind of, but Micah so, also said that the 13th sign is BS. So I'm, I'm interested right, right. in, in yeah, digging deeper into that. So I, I can go a little deeper about that. I, I don't know if it's going to be in some of these other, other passages that I'm going to read. But if you use the moon instead of the sun in the zodiac, then you'll have 13 months of 28 days. And I believe this is kind of more or less what they were doing is they were following the travels of the moon and what zodiacal sign it was in. And then that gives you a 13th zodiac. So when we stopped using a moon calendar and started using a solar calendar, we went to 12 months instead of 13 months. And that's why we have uh, varying days of the month, 28, 20, uh, 30, and 31. Uh but if you actually go by the moon, it's actually just 13 months of 28 days. So it sounds like when they they merged a lunar calendar with a solar calendar, they kind of like were, you know, oh, 28 days here, 29 here to kind of, you know, blend it and mix it as they do to kind of wash mm-hmm. everything together to make it uniformed for whatever reason. So that's something else that I think would be an interesting uh uh, topic to get into. Yeah. So so here's another passage from the book. Uh, if we look far back in history, we can find evidence of many unexplained superior civilizations. At Tiwanaku in Peru, the center of Incan culture, the remains of calendar tablets given the exact positions of the moon every hour was discovered recently. Noted archaeologist Jim Allen claims that the tablets could date back as far as 12,000 B.C., the time of Atlantis. The tablets and other findings also showed astronomical symbols given planetary positions of the procession of the equinoxes of some 26,000 years. 
Another astonishing fact is that the ancient Mayans of Mexico, whose events cultures displayed an understanding of the heavens, showed the precise orbit of Venus as well as Uranus and Neptune. This is astonishing because Uranus was not discovered by Western world until 1781 with a telescope. Let's look back to the Egyptian pyramids. I believe that early Egyptians knew we were falling asleep, that is, using less of our brain. The Egyptians started writing in hieroglyphs, knowing that we, the people of the earth, were losing our abilities to access the full mind and to tap into the collective consciousness. We were moving backwards from the fifth to the fourth to the third dimensions. Finally, we need to spell everything out as we have in this third dimension. Today, as we move forward into the fourth and fifth dimensions, we are using hieroglyphs again because more is understood with one simple symbol than with a hundred words. Just look at the hieroglyphs all over the computer. We don't need all the words and language barriers. We are beginning to speak in universal symbols with fuller understanding. So I just want to uh, talk about that for a second. Is This book was written in, I believe... 2001 let me let me just confirm that 2002 so they're already saying we're starting to use you know pictures and symbols with computers and everything and if you think about the meme generation that we have now and people using memes it's pretty interesting what she's saying here because i I think memes is sort of like a, a little bit of a newer thing you know than 2002 I think it came a little bit after that. So let me uh, go to the next passage that I have in here. And then this is called the properties of Ophiuchus. What are the distinctive features and attributes that Ophiuchus brings to the table of life? He brings back our awareness to the element of ether. He makes us aware of the fact that air is not just empty space The air that we breathe in is filled with everything on the planet that ever was or will be. Our universe is a living organism. Just because we can't see something in the third dimension doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It is possibly easily seen in the fourth and fifth dimension by opening our third eye. Also, Ophiuchus is about transformation and change, showing us that change is inevitable while suffering is optional. You see, so for me, that the the symbolism of the serpent um, is transformation, you know, um, rebirth, and like a re- rejuvenating, reseeing things, and and a, a chapter turning in people's lives. Right, that's kind of like the serpent symbology, and uh, it's it's gotten flipped, you know, to kind of make it seem the opposite. Um, but it makes sense to have that as a, um, a an important piece in the astrological uh, wheel because it's one of the only things that symbolizes that transformation or that that regener- regeneration. And so uh, it's interesting that they would that it's out. And so I, I man, I it's it's so much in debate because it's not in modern astrology, and and people argue the fact that it has been taken out for a reason, but I'm, I'm curious if, as if the reason might be to keep us longer in the dark about the fact that, that, you know, to keep us stagnant because without that transformation, 
and that symbology of that and the understanding that we need to have a chapter's turn in our life and to make big strides, it, you know, can keep, can keep us stagnant. And, uh, yeah, I'm really curious about this topic, bro. Thank you for bringing this up, man. Yeah, man. Uh, so here's another passage. It says on November 13th, 2012, there will be a total solar eclipse in Ophiuchus. This eclipse is closely tied to the total solar eclipse of August 1999. The 1999 configuration was that of a grand cross. It formed a point in the heavens that is referred to as the point of the avatar. November 13th, 2012 is 13 years after 1999 eclipse. This eclipse will be in alignment with Ophiuchus, the 13th constellation of the zodiac. This constellation is the archetype of the shaman or healer who has knowledge of the secret of life. In the terms of galactic whole sky astrology, this eclipse will represent the initiation of our planet into the mysteries that Ophiuchus represents. The 13-year period following the 1999 activation is and will continue to be a time of profound change. With the help and awareness of Ophiuchus and the tools he has made available to us, we will be able to integrate these new galactic energies. In the 13th year after the 1999 activation, there will be a series of three major astronomical events in rapid succession. If we have been working with the energy Ophiuchus brought in, we will do fine. The first of these events will be November 13th, 2012, the total eclipse. The second will be the winter solstice, which is the final solstice in the galactic plane alignment series. The third event will be on December 31st, 2012, when Sirius aligns with our planet and the sun at midnight. Some say, and I believe, that we may be from Sirius. Others say we have a destiny with Sirius. It is interesting to note that we are moving through space with Sirius B in a spiral that is identical to the helical plane of the DNA molecule. So that's fucking interesting. That's pr- pretty deep. Yeah, very interesting. Is um is the author of this book is uh, still around? Do you know? I have not looked into that, but mm, I will. But yeah, let's try to get that human on here. Yeah, definitely. Human. So this comes from another chapter of the book. Uh, it's about numerology and the number 13. And it says, Ophiuchus is the 13th sign of the Zodiac. The number 13 has a great deal of symbolism that relates to the sign itself. It is a number of radical change. The best way I can explain the number 13 is by using the metaphor of the butterfly. We lived in the garden as caterpillars, and for the last 3,500 years, we have been living in a cocoon. Now we are ready to emerge from this cocoon to transform into a beautiful butterfly. We are ready to fly above to a separate reality as we wake up to the knowledge that Ophiuchus is bringing. We are about to use more of our brains and understand that we are the people of Earth and that we are one. We will wake up to the fact that we will invent and find a way to travel to other galaxies as soon as we know we are one people of the Earth with one (laughs) Godhead. As long as we stay separated from each other, we can't travel to other galaxies. Huh? That's interesting. All right. Jesus. Yeah. 
So I have one more, and this one is a little bit longer, and this might relate a little bit to you, Roman. Uh-oh. Because this is Ophiuchus in Scorpio. Oh, shit. And it says, Ophiuchus is the teacher of healing and wholeness. What is it doing with Scorpio? For the reader unfamiliar with Scorpio, you must first That's realize me. the power of the myth of Scorpio. There is always the raised eyebrow reaction when someone mentions that he or she is a Scorpio. Scorpio deals with this all the time. Scorpio deals with our deepest passions, desires, sexuality, money, fear of the unknown, death, and immortality. We all have to deal with Scorpio at some time in our lives. All the planets eventually <laughs> travel through all the signs. Scorpio included. And as we discussed in chapter three and five, they create aspects with each other. This is not just about a few people born in November. As C.G. Jung would put it, Scorpio touches our shadow side. Death comes to us all. Scorpio being a fixed sign teaches us about transformation. You would think that this is the job of a mutable sign, but it's not. Scorpio has taught us about death. Now a is here to teach us about rebirth and life as a continuum we do not escape ourselves from physical death until we understand death we will never understand life shakespeare explores this subject in king lear the king is facing death when he finally accepts his physical mortality lear transcends the limitations of earthly time after severing his ego self his realized self then steps into the timeless world of immortality Many of us who have been at death's door have literally stood in the doorway, passed through, and returned to tell the glimpse of the beyond up a wellspring of spiritual awareness. In addition, those who of us who have lost someone dear to us have also had our spirits open to new understandings. Ophiuchus has come to open that doorway, doorway for us to understand and to rise out of bodies trapped in the earthly plane, thereby freeing our spirits and enabling us to live in two worlds at the same time. Therefore, sensitive issues or situations with which we don't want to deal, we assign to Scorpio. We call them dark, and they belong to Scorpio. Traditional astrology provides Scorpio with three symbols, the scorpion, the eagle, and the phoenix. While all other signs have one, when yep. you talk about not being sure what this sign is about and being afraid to deal with certain issues, this multiple image can confuse anyone. Pluto, the ruler of Scorpio, was discovered in 1930s. The power and energies allotted to the sign of Scorpio are the energy of money and power that money can give and take away. It ranges from the sting of the scorpion to the eagle that has the power to seize unsuspecting prey. It soars above the worldly difficulties to the phoenix that rises from the ashes. Ophiuchus has come to share his house to bring light and new life into the shadows of complexity by showing our opening of the third eye. Oh, my God. Which you can open fully if you incorporate Shilajit. In your life. <laughs> <laughs> and pine Nice. Nice. Way to plug that. You know, you know. <laughs> Man, so Ophiuchus has a lot of history, bro. Yeah, it's very interesting, huh? It's all about like rebirth and uh, gaining new knowledge. 
And uh, there is some numerology in here, too, about the 13th sign representing death and rebirth, it being 13. And after 12, you die and are reborn. Uh, just like in the number system, we use 1 through 12, and then we go 13, 14, 15, 16, whereas uh, other places use like a, a DECA system of 10, and then they go, you know, unse, doce, trece instead of to 12 and then a new thing so uh, yeah it, i mean it's, all, it's also interesting too because it's esoteric numerology as well when you look into how many times thir- well 13 is associated with bad luck or right? it's a bad luck number um or the 12 tribes of israel when we know there was 13 or the 12 right, yeah. Uh, you know, as uh, an Illuminati, it's just like it's everywhere. So, like to me, and what what I was bringing up earlier with how what I, I kind of have this a sneaking suspicion that basically, like, ev- all a lot of old cultures were studying astrology and they shared some of their astrological knowledge, but when it came to kind of form everything to be the the cohesive. Uh, astrology understanding or whatever it would be in astrological academia or what have you, um, you know, yet again, the 13th is kicked out and we're left with only 12 because of whatever reason that we are going to figure out and get into for y'all. It will happen. Yeah. And after listening to this Micah Dank episode, you might let go, fuck, I had no idea. And maybe the Bible was this com- comprehensive version of all things astrological and put into like one book and then kind of hidden in a way through these different metaphors and signs that only, you know, like mystery school type initiates would understand. And as we go in to more episodes here on this podcast and we talk about, you know, the mysteries of Jesus and mystery schools and Egypt and everything and the Essenes and the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, there's so much more to understand and we're only understanding a little bit of it. A lot of the people that you ask about the Bible don't even know anything about it. They just use it because they don't want to think and, and just want to accept a known belief system because it's easier to deal with than to actually have to learn and think about shit. Well, that's true, but I also want to bring up, because just to play devil's advocate, and I do this a lot with people, um, and I have to do it with myself from time to time, is that, yes, it is always easy to say, hey, you fucking sheep, why don't you open your eyes for once and understand what's really going on? When in reality, you know, when you're born into society, you're born into the world, you would just assume that they have the best interest in hand, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. due to societal structure of it being complete, you know, kind of like in favor of the corporations and such, um, and just continuously making money and keeping us as their slaves, you know, it's not necessarily that people don't want to open their eyes to other things. It's just they're so jaded because, you know, they, some people just can't deal with the pain of being of accepting the fact that they have been distreated or they've been lied to. And so... It's 
you know, I don't, I don't know. I just always want to be like, hey, you know, these people, you know, the dun 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 that we talk about, you know, also society is a fucking probably the larger issue at hand. You know, these other people who may or may not have the uh, IQ of uh, of some of us over here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, no. I disregard <laughs> that last part. That was very rude. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, man, you know, it takes two to tango. So we got the sheep, but then we also have the wolves, you know, some of us out here just trying to be shepherds. You feel me? <laughs> yeah. Shepherd the flock, shepherd the flock. It's just a little bit, um, you know, not in control. You just like, we're out here just like being like, yo, don't, don't eat that. That's poison oak. But you knew that, didn't you? And you ate it anyway. <laughs> So, all right, let's uh, let's get into our conversation with Micah Dank. Enjoy, y'all. Enjoy. to rising from the ashes i'm danny nakadan i'm the homie romy what's good yo what's up we're here today with micah dank the astrotheologist and the writer of six fucking books crazy beautiful yeah do you want to tell us what books those are micah and tell people where they can find you before we get started so they can uh, nah, i'll pitch i'll pitch my stuff after they can hear it that way they can decide if it's garbage or not all right <laughs> cool with me oh yeah uh, so do you want to get into it or what yes okay so let's just start right away let's, let's do, do it. it if i were to ask you guys what the oldest form of communication is on earth what would you say it is uh sign language maybe no, I mean, like, think longer term. Uh, the writing in the cosmic fabric. Okay, not too far back. <laughs> uh, oh, it's going to be like, this is going to be that kind of podcast. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know, man. How about this? How about, would you say like cave drawings? Okay, drawing, cave drawings, yeah. Okay. So the Lascaux Caves are 40,000 years old, or at least the stuff in them are. What they did is the Lascaux Caves are named after Lascaux, France. And what they did was they went into these caves. These people went to these caves, and they went to the back of the caves, and they found all sorts of shit like this all over it. You see yeah. the bull on the top. You see the many faces of the lions on the right, and you see the horse in the bottom. Well, in astrology, the bull is Taurus, the lion is Leo, and this horse is Sagittarius. Well, basically what they did was they um, carbon dated this and they found out it came out to be about 40,000 plus or minus 5,000 years. So what they did was they brought in an astronomer with the computer program and they rewound the sky back because we have the technology to do it. When they did that and they printed out what the sky looked like 40,000 years ago, they superimposed it on these caves and they found out that they, all the signs were where they were supposed to be. No, no way. For real? Yeah. Yes. So they've known about the lot. They've known about astrology our ancestors for 40,000 years at least what's the oldest religion maybe five six thousand years eight thousand twelve thousand maybe 
right? No, yeah, they knew about uh, yeah, this. Yeah, that we know of, I guess. <laughs> they knew this 40,000 years ago. There are questions that you can ask in the Bible. How Jesus was able to heal the blind, how he walked on water, how he turned water into wine, why he had 12 disciples, why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas, why he was dead for three days, why his birthday is on December 25th. All this I'm going to explain with astrology. Okay, this is all not meant to be taken literally. This is all astrology. Okay, you have Genesis one fourteen. It says, "Let this is right at the beginning of the Bible. Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and the years." And that's what the zodiac basically does. Is it tells you when to farm. It tells you when to harvest. It tells you when winter's coming. It tells you when uh, spring is coming. It tells you all, all the solstices and the equinox. Tell you when the seasons are going to change. Um, that's what it is. It's basically a giant farmer's almanac. So in order for you to understand the decodings that I'm going to do, Roman, have you seen this before? Um, I did not see any of the videos that you've done. I've, I've listened to a lot of audio, uh, but no, I have not seen the PowerPoint. Okay. Okay, good. Good. And Dan, I'm assuming you didn't. Yeah, right? same, same with him. I, I've heard a few episodes that you're on, but I haven't seen visuals. All right. Okay. So we're going to start with the 12 signs. Okay. So the first sign I talk about is Aquarius, which is not the first sign in the Zodiac. The first sign in the Zodiac is Aries. But I start in Aquarius because that's like January. That's like the beginning of our new year, which is represented by the sign of a man. Now, if you look at this picture of the picture of the man with the water pitcher, this is exactly what the constellation looks like. Okay. It's a man with a water pitcher pouring out liquid out of the water pitcher. So whenever you hear words like in the Bible, like baptism or John the Baptist or fountain or river or things of water nature... They're talking about Aquarius. Then Pisces is the sign of the two fish in the water. So whenever they're talking about water, they can also be talking about Pisces. Okay, so those two signs represent the water. <laughs> then Aries is the ram. And in Aries, you have March 21st, which is the spring equinox. It's a 12-hour day and it's a 12-hour night. It's also the Passover. So the Jewish people celebrate Passover in Aries on Nisan 14 in the Jewish calendar. Um, that's the day that God passed over Egypt and killed the firstborn sons, the 10th plague. But in astrotheology, the Passover just literally means the sun is passing over the equator and now it's way back up to its height in the summer solstice. In Christianity, they change it a little bit. The passing over is not the Passover. It's known as the resurrection of God's son. Okay. Cause you have Easter in Aries always Passover and Easter always coincide. Okay. And that's why. Is because they're two different religions, but they have to do with the same thing. Then Taurus is the bull. And when you look in the sky and you see Taurus during the season, when you know it's supposed to be, you know you need to put the plow on the bull. So it's as above, so below, basically. <clears throat> you plant the seeds in Taurus, and then uh, April showers bring May flowers, and then things grow, and then you harvest in Virgo and Libra. So whenever you hear the word bull or cow or calf, they're talking about Taurus. Whenever you hear lamb or sheep or ram, they're talking about Aries. Then Gemini is the twins. It's the signs of Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy, which is the story of Achilles. Then Cancer is the crab, and it's the sideways moving creature. The crab goes like this when it walks. Okay, the sun does the same thing. That's why this, uh, that's why this sign is Cancer. In Cancer, you have June 21st. See, what the sun does is it starts... At the bottom of the zodiac wheel on December 25th, and it rises a degree a day. Next day, another. Next day, another. Next day, another. And it continues to do that all the way, all the way up until it hits June 21st. When it hits June 21st, what it does is it walks sideways for three days. It stays at that height. Okay? 
Then on June 25th, it drops a degree. And then it continues to drop a degree every single day until it hits December 21st. December 25th is known as the day of death, which is Sagittarius. So in the Bible, when they're talking about death, they're metaphorically talking about Sagittarius. See, what happens is the sun rises at the lowest point on December 21st. Okay, so the ancients used to say that God's sun was dead. And then just like for three days in June where it walks sideways, it walks sideways in December. So they used to say God's sun was dead after three days. Okay. So that's where that comes from. Yeah, so that's basically it. So Leo is the king, the lion, the king of the jungle. The ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. So whenever you hear the word cub or lioness or lion or can you satisfy hunger for the lions, whenever they mention lion, they're talking about Leo. Also, the kingdom of heaven is actually on earth in Leo because the sun rules Leo and the sun, when it's in Leo, is in its home. Then Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. And remember before when you said that you plant in Taurus, April showers bring me flowers. Well, the virgins would cultivate the wheat in Virgo in order to make bread for the year. So anytime you hear the words wheat or barley or yeast or things that have to do with that kind of grainy thing, oats even, um, they're cultivated in Virgo. Okay? And Virgo is also when you make the bread for the year. Then Libra is the justice. It's the scales. It's the balance. It's the just one. And the reason it's the justice is because it has September 21st in it, which is the day the sun goes back over the equator and starts its fall down into its descent into its death, its metaphorical death. Okay. It judges God's sun is what Libra does. Mm. Um, the Jews always celebrate the new year around the fall equinox. Okay. Uh, and the interesting thing too is, is that because Libra is the judgment, the judger, eight days after Yom, uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, they have something called Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement, the day of judgment, where the Jews go to temple and don't eat or drink all day. And what they basically do is they pray to God to keep him in the book of life for another year. So Libra is also wine season. So whenever you hear wine press or vineyard or grapes, Things of that nature, that's also Libra. Libra is also olive season. So when Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives, he's talking about him being in Libra. Okay, so you have the bread in Virgo and you have the wine in Libra. So just to be clear, Libra is like judgment, judging, wine, olives, things of that nature. Okay, thorn bushes. So when um, when you say they're speaking about Libra or Virgo, are they are they referencing the time itself or the... Uh, like the, the actual energies behind it or like a specific God or deity? No, they're literally just referencing the sign. The sign. Okay. It's a metaphorical. Like, yeah, yeah. It's escaping me right now and it shouldn't because I have an English degree, but I'm trying to think of a book, uh -huh. which is just a giant metaphor. Like, you know how like the, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, the lion is supposed to be Jesus and everything that the lion does is a metaphor. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how this is. So they'll, they'll give you a sentence. <laughs> they'll give you a sentence here, and it'll mention one of these things, like grapes, and they'll be really talking about Libra. And then in the next sentence, they'll mention like betrayal, which is Scorpio, which I'm getting to right now. Scorpio. So, uh, can I can I ask you a couple questions real quick? Yeah. Uh, does Aries have anything to do with the word Arian? Not really my purview, to be honest with you. Okay. I don't believe so, though. Okay. And then uh, the Sphinx represents the sun, or or the lion represents the sun. Do you think that has has anything to do with 
the Sphinx possibly? Well, the Sphinx. You have to understand. This, this, there's two things about the Sphinx. How old do they tell you that the Sphinx is supposed to be? Uh, four uh, four thousand BC, I think. Okay, it's way older. Thousand. It's way older than that. Everything is astrology. Remember? Yeah, yeah. The Sphinx. Okay, it was the it, it was the original in the Egyptian hier- in the Egyptian zodiac. Leo the the lion was actually a Sphinx. Okay, the crab was actually the scarab. Okay, so it's changed a little bit over time. But what you have to realize is, is that on the back of the Sphinx, it's smooth. Okay, it's not eroded by sand, which is like rough and coarse. It's smooth, which leads people to believe that there was water erosion on it. And the last time there was water there was 12,000 years ago. Now, if you rewind the clock back 12,000 years ago to the last ice age, okay, if you rewind the clock back to that, and you put where the Sphinx is, where it's facing, the Sphinx would literally be facing the constellation Leo. Okay, so those are two examples of why they did that. Okay, because the Sphinx literally rep- uh, would face its own constellation. That's why they built it that way. The same way that um, o- Orion's belt is represented in the pyramids, in the way that okay. they're aligned. All right. That, that, there's that, that's the ultimate question too, is that interconnectedness of like understanding the ancient civilizations and why they lined everything up to exact the, the, the maps and the stars. It's, 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 it's like this. I mean, unless you have some insight on it, like the, the significance of, of lining everything up like that, you know, is very, very important because it's absolutely fucking everywhere in ancient ancient culture right and it's it was important because the same reason that this is encoded in the bible which i haven't gotten to yet but the same reason (laughs) it's encoded in the bible is that the thing is is that the ancients didn't have clocks calendars smartwatches, phones you know maps or i mean not maps but like calendars they had to learn the days of the year they had to learn when the sun was going to come up when the sun was going to come down. They had to learn the cycles of the moon. They had to understand the the cycles of the zodiac because if, if you don't plow in Taurus, you're going to starve at the end of the year, and then you're really going to starve in in winter. They had to know when winter was going to come, and this was yeah. basically their clock, their calendar that they had figured out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we didn't always have the knowledge that uh, I'm looking at the clock right now. It's 2 p.m. on uh, or 1:41 p.m. on June 6 in New York. So I know it's going to be hot as fuck. They didn't, they didn't always know that they would just wake up and they would, you know, one day it would be winter. They had to figure this out. Mm-hmm. This is the ancient science. And that's what they prayed to. The sun tells the time of the day. The moon tells the day of the year, a month. And the Zodiac tells the month of the year. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect calendar. And they had to learn this. Hey, beautiful. Love that. Uh, and yeah, like, yeah, please just, yeah, let's let him, let's let him finish. Let's let him get through the sides. <laughs> All right. So Scorpio is the scorpion and he is the betrayer. When a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like a pair of lips. So if a scorpion bit you, you pull it away, it looks like a kiss, but it's full of poison. That's why it's a betrayal. It's a metaphor. And it's why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss because Jesus represents the sun. And Judas represents Scorpio. So the sun is judged in Libra and it's betrayed in Scorpio. And then finally in Sagittarius, with a bow and the arrow, finally put the sun out of its misery and kill it. 
Okay. And the Bible is translated as a spear going into God's son. And we went over December 21st in Sagittarius. Why? Right. It's because the day the sun doesn't rise that day. The ancients would have to know this. And then finally, Capricorn is the goat because if you look at the zodiac wheel, Capricorn is supposed to be at the bottom of the wheel. Okay. But if you're the sun climbing a degree a day through around the zodiac wheel, okay. Capricorn would be at the bottom and it starts the climb of the mountain. That's why the goat climbs the mountain as well. It's a metaphor. It starts to climb up the mountain. So here are some names for Jesus. Okay. Nicknames. When the sun is in Capricorn, he's called the scapegoat of Israel. When the sun is in Aquarius, he's called the son of man or the sign of the man. When the sun is in Pisces, he's the fisherman of men. Pisces, the two fish. It's also why you could feed the masses with two fish. He's known as the Lamb of God or the Ram in Aries. He's the Lion of Judah, also known as Leo. He's the lady holding the stalk of wheat, Virgo. He's born of a virgin and he's called the bread of life. And you have Libra, the scales of justice. He's known as the just one. Right? You see how this works? Mm-hmm. He dies in Sagittarius. He's betrayed in Scorpio. It's also why he's worshipped on the Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. So now, look I, at this picture. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I just uh, like metaphorically, because now I like can't not think in absolutely everything's metaphor. Um. So as the sun well, goes, so you described hell in a in a in a previous uh, interview that you had that hell is the winter, right? It's ice. It's frozen yes. when the sun is gone. So that time that Sagittarius basically spears the sun and then brings the world into a, a hellish place as, as the winters dawned, uh, is that like, what's the significance of that? that what's, what's the significance? Cause you just nailed it. <laughs> oh, oh, <man. laughs> that is a significance. Yeah. That is a significance. That's what it is. Look, the word for hell mm-hmm. is inferno, but in Latin, the word inverno, which is the word, means winter. Okay? Winter is hell. The sun is not out. All the crazy animals come out. When we were still in the food chain, remember? All the crazy <laughs> animals would come out and scavenge, and they'd be rough. You know, if they came across someone, they'd be starving. Nothing grows. There's no grass. There's no vegetables growing. There's, there's nothing growing. Hell is winter. And Dante Alighieri knew this, too, in his Divine Comedy. He put Satan at the bottom pit of hell. And he's at the bottom of hell, okay? And he's frozen up to his waist in a lake of ice because mm. his wings are flapping so hard that they're freezing the water and he's just stuck. He can't move and he can't help himself. So Dante knew this, that hell was winter, okay? Hell is not... What they do is they take a word, they flip its meaning, and then they gaslight you with it. Yeah. Okay, that's that's how they do it. Inverted, mm. inverted, inverted perversion. Yep. So the sun is always behind Jesus because he represents the sun. This is your stereotypical picture of Jesus. Yeah. The two fingers up are an ancient comedic peace sign. This, this is an ancient Egyptian peace sign. That's why Jesus does this. This is why Baphomet and Lucifer do this. It's a peaceful sign. They're saying they're peaceful. This is the British victory war sign. Okay. The fingers are separate. Okay. This means violence. Oh shit. Cause it separates peace. Because it separates oh. peace. So when they tell you John Lennon's peace sign is peace, uh, you don't know the history of it. It's actually this. This is peace. What? And, All right. Ugh, God. Yeah. That. There you go. Another <laughs> another, another influenced uh, outside. You know, for uh, 
um, pop culture to kind of like use someone from the Beatles to to spread a fucking message yeah. of violence and war. <laughs> Right. So you you would say that the halo is a representation of the sun, and the halo represents the sun. The halo represents the crown of thorns. Okay. I'll tell you. The white Jesus picture is actually a guy named Caesar Borgia. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this before, mm-hmm. but basically he's the bastard son of Pope Alexander VI. Now, before this, Pope Alexander VI ruled in the 1500s around the time the printing press came out. Okay, so what happened is he decided his son was going to be the face they printed a bunch of pictures of it, and then they sent it around. That's why Jesus turned into this white CrossFit Jesus. Does this fuck? get into the Flavians? Mm-mm. No, this isn't the Flavians. No, 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 no. You're talking about, like, Josephus? Yeah, Flavius. Yeah, Flavius, Josephus. No, it doesn't get into any of that. That's way before, dude. Okay. This is, so this That's is newer? This is... this is newer. This is in the 1500s. Now, before ah, he declared that okay. was the face of Jesus, there was no picture of Jesus. And it's not that there was no picture because you can't draw him like Muhammad, like you're not supposed to draw him in Islam, but nobody ever just had a picture of Jesus. So this Pope decided he bought his way to the papacy at Rodrigo Borgia. He bought his way to the papacy and then he planted his son as the face. If you Google pictures of Caesar Borgia, you'll see what I'm talking about. Wow. That's uh, that's, that's fucking interesting. (laughs) But, uh, so, so is it, it are, are there no pictures because um, it's in like a it's almost like Jesus has all these metaphors because he is the ultimate metaphor of of the ever. There was no picture because he didn't exist. Okay, yeah, exactly. Because he didn't exist. Yeah. See, as time goes on, Christianity becomes more and more literal. Okay, but the early Christians didn't believe it was literal. They were known as heliognostics. This is pre three twenty five, the Council of Nicaea. They were known as Heliognostics, okay, which literally means Helios is Greek for the sun. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's his nose and mouth and word. That's Caesar Borgia. That's the face of Jesus. So so Christianity has been hijacked, right? And and well, when, yeah. when, when was Christianity hijacked about, like, the fall of the, the West Roman Empire times? Or do you think it was 325 AD, Constantine made Christianity literal. And it was interesting, too, because he had a nephew, mm-hmm. Julian the Apostate whose works are still available, who tried to bring everyone back to sun worship because they were pagans. They were yep. sun worshipers. Um, the eggs on Easter that you hide, that's a fertility ritual from the pagans. The tree yeah. house, that's a pagan ritual too on Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, it's all borrowed by the pagans. Yeah. Um, anyway, the crown of thorns outside, the, the heart's always outside the lot. The crown of thorns represents the rays of the sun. That's what the halo does. It represents the rays of the sun. And <clears throat> the heart represents the toroidal field. Are you familiar with the torus field? The human yeah. Torus field? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes out six feet out of your body. That's why the uh, the ancients, that's why the uh, elites today want to keep you six feet apart. You, you tie into the corona crown chakra blocking your, your extension to, you know, the Akashic record. Let's cover your fucking face. Yeah, there's so much symbolism. I actually like would love to if we have time. If you have any decoding on the COVID thing, through I don't, I don't touch that. I don't touch that. It's too, it's too much, dude. It's too much. You get um, polarizing. It'll get you banned. I've heard this stuff before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's too much. 
Well, I'll I'll use your methods and uh, and then I'll, I'll send you secret secret emails stuff that I find out you, using your using your fucking dope ass astrotheological breakdowns, bro. Thanks, man. <laughs> so have you guys heard the phrase "Pride comes before the fall"? Yeah. Can you explain it, Dan, to your listeners? Uh, meaning, if you're overconfident, that usually you uh, kind of think you're so great that you're not too worried about what you're going to do and uh, it'll sneak up on you and kind of bite you in the ass because okay. you're overconfident about. Okay. You know what a group of lions is called? The pride. So a group of lions is called the pride. Pride is the lion. Lion is Leo. Leo's in July and August. That comes before the fall. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> the book of Micah. My namesake, but you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. However, the word Bethlehem, so this is where Micah basically predicts that the Savior is going to come from Bethlehem. But in Hebrew, Bethlehem is a combination of two words, bet, which means house, and lechem, which means bread. So the house of bread. Well, the house of bread is Virgo, the lady with the wheat star. Each zodiac sign is called the house. Okay, so what they're really saying is the savior will come from a virgin. Whoa, yeah, and that, that's fucking. Now this one is fun because <laughs> now you guys know the uh, the stuff to look for or the key words that I've given you. So I'm going to read you this passage. You're going to tell me how many you see. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Deuteronomy 32. He gave them honey from the cliffs and olive oil from the rocky ground. He gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. He gave them lambs and goats. They had the best rams from Bashan and the finest wheat. They drank the best wine made from the juice of red grapes. But Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. So yeah, you got Taurus, uh, the, the uh, harvest. Aries. Aries. Aries is in there Capricorn. times. Cap. Um, no Scorpio. Uh, wheat is Virgo. Wheat is wheat Virgo. Virgo yeah. right, the rams are here. Grape is Libra. The bull is Taurus. Here's two other ones, too. He gave them honey from the cliffs. Oh, olive oil is from Libra, too, by the way. He gave them honey from the cliffs. In the sign Cancer, there's a group of stars, an asterism called the Beehive Cluster. Oh. Okay, so that's where the honey comes from. That's in Cancer. And the, the, the butter from the herd and the milk from the flock, it's milk-based. That comes from the Milky Way galaxy, mm. whose center is in Sagittarius. So your land from Cancer to Sagittarius in your sky, that's your metaphorical graceland of milk and honey. So this is all metaphorical. That There's there's literally no honey from the cliffs or olive oil from the rocky ground. Correct. Man, that is so... I, I'd, I'd fucking leave that party. Like, Bro, <laughs> where, where is the bread and the wine, dude? Like, <laughs> I've been looking at the stars all night, bro. I'm hungry. <laughs> This is what the beehive cluster looks like, by the way, on the left. You see, it's like a tight group of stars. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Right. Okay. So that's what it looks like. Roman now, was actually talking about how he was having a vision one time, and he noticed like it had kind of like a beehive shape. So the bees are important to the Illuminati. Oh. Oh, interesting. Uh, how so? You'll see like bee. You'll see bee symbolism in like so many music videos and such. Okay. So what do you believe about the atmosphere? The atmosphere that contains, you know, like, I mean, in the Bible, it's called the firmament, right? The separate, 
of the, the well, I get into that. I explain what the firmament really is. Oh, means. excellent. Perfect. All right, keep going, keep going. All right, keep going. <laughs> All right, okay. So the Mount of Olives. Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives after his last Passover so he could teach them a few more things, pray, and then wait for Judas to betray him. While walking to the Mount of Olives, he gave the parable of the true vine. Passover takes place in Aries, where right after that, he walks to the Mount of Olives. Olives are in Libra. So you walk from Aries to Passover on the Zodiac Wheel. That's a, that's the sign that's right across from it. It's a cross sign. They're opposing signs. So they're in Libra now, and they're waiting for Judas to betray him, which happens in Scorpio, which is the next sign over from Libra. Okay? In Libra, while they're still waiting... He gave the parable of the true vine or vineyard or wine press in Libra. You see how this is coded? You see how this works? Mm-hmm. You have to go across the zodiac and then you go to the next sign over. That's how this all works. Revelation 4 7. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. The first living creature was like a lion, Leo. The second was like an ox, Taurus. The third had a face like a man, Aquarius. The fourth was like a flying eagle. In, uh, astrology, in astrology, the Scorpio scorpion is the belly crawling creature. Okay, it's the lowest form of life on Earth. Its yeah. evolved form is the eagle, which is the highest flying form on Earth. Okay, so the eagle actually equals Scorpio. So you have Leo, Taurus, Aquarius, and Scorpio. Those are the four fixed signs of the zodiac. Okay, they're fixed in their season. Mm. They form an X. The zo- the, you have the zodiac wheel. And then the solstices and the equinox form a perfect cross through it. That's uh, the cross so that's God. the iron cross? It's the cross of God's son. That's the cross that Jesus bears. It's the cross of God's son that he lives and dies on. Mm-hmm. Okay? These four signs make an X like this through that cross. So it's a celestial alignment. Mm-hmm. Revelation 12. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head she was pregnant and cried out in pain and she was about to give birth then another sign appeared in heaven an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth there's people that literally believe this is going to happen in the sky (laughs) okay oh with the with the stimulus uh ufo reveal yep a woman clothed with the sun is the sun clothed in virgo if the sun is in virgo the moon will be at her feet then another sign appeared in heaven, enormous red dragon. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to Earth. The constellation to the left is Draco. Okay, and you see how big its tail is? It's enormous. It goes from mm-hmm. Aries to Sagittarius, which is four twelfths of the signs or one third of the stars out of the sky. These are all just metaphors. For their knowledge that they knew of the stars and the constellations at the time, they embedded it into the Bible. That's what the Bible is. Oh shit! Hmm. <laughs> you also decode the Exodus. Is there an Exodus decode? Well, there is. There is something in Exodus. Like Moses goes to the mountain, right, to get the Ten Commandments, and mm-hmm. then do you remember what he sees when he comes back down? The golden calf. Yes, the golden calf. So one of two things happened: either he was leading these nomads through the desert for forty years, and then when he went up top. They pulled together all their gold that apparently they had. <laughs> because they were carrying it with them. You know? All their gold. They had so <laughs> much gold. And they found welding equipment in the desert. And they built a yeah. giant golden calf. Or he came down and Aries, the Jews are the people of Aries. Okay, whereas the Egyptians were the people of Taurus. The Jews left mm. Egypt. 
It was a new time, a new sign. He came down and he saw them worshipping the gold sun in the calf Taurus. He saw them worshipping the wrong sign, so he got pissed. That's why he got mad. It's a metaphor. That, that kind of goes into my question that I was asking you about Aries and Arians. So he was taking the Aries people out of Egypt from the bull, the Taurus people. Right. Interesting. So, so given it, yeah, now go on. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Shit, I don't even know. Like, I, I sometimes I try to go too damn metaphysical, and I, I have to try to stop. Uh, but so, do do you do you believe in uh, you know the uh, the consciousness is something separate from the from your body? Um, well, this is a whole different kind of conversation. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I believe the ancients, the ancient Buddhists, um, their sacred number is forty nine. Okay. Do you know why for, do you know, do you know why it was 49? Absolutely not. It turns mm. out that that's the time that the soul enters the body because on the 49th day of pregnancy, that's when the pineal gland is available to be seen. Oh shit. That's what I'm talking about. So that's a good bomb right there. That's a good one. And so pr- t- trying to like, and we, like I said, we should probably save this for another episode, but I want to just to keep the, keep the seeds moist as they, as they start to get their little legs on them. You have the signs, you have the, the energy behind the astrology, right? That gives these different, um, like it gives, gives meaning to these places in the stars, the places in the sky, these places cosmically aligned in, in the universe, what have you. And if we come from outside the atmosphere to that from the heavens, sanctioned in these areas, right? Like I'm a Scorpio born on October 25th. So am I like, I, I visualize this, this sanctioned area of people that are this energy, these souls that all kind of have these qualities that are similar coming from the same kind of home and then coming to the earthly plane after that. Does that make sense? Any of that? Yeah, Yeah, it makes sense. It's, it's just, I'm trying to wrap my brain around this shit, man. It is so crazy, bro. <laughs> I don't even know. Where you start reading about people who've had like past lives with like verifiable information that they tell their parents. Yes. Yeah. There's like, uh, there's documented things of like children saying some real, 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 real. Buddha. Buddha. Buddha did that. Well, the reincarnations of Buddha, they all have, they have past life memories. Wow. Anyways, please continue, sir. So we're going to take a longer passage. So you're familiar with the book of Job? Yes. Can you, Dan, can you, are you religious, Dan? No, I'm not religious. That's why I know everything about the Bible. (laughs) Can you explain to your listeners who Job was and basically what the story of Job is? Uh, Job was a man who was like riddled with trials and tribulations by God and uh, Satan. They kind of just fucked with him and toyed with him to see if he would keep his faith, even with everything they hit him with, if he would still believe in God. So what he basically does is at one point he cries out to God, right? Okay. He cries out, right? He cries out to God, and he's just like, why am I going through this, this, that, and the other thing? And God responds to him. I'm going to read you God's response. Job 38, 32, he says, can you lead forth the Maseroth? Now, it's important to know that the Maseroth is a direct translation to Zodiac. 
The oh. Maseroth literally means Zodiac. So right away he's saying, do you know your Zodiac? Maseroth over time becomes Mazalot, which survives in Judaism today as Mazel Tov, which means good, oh, good shit. stars. Wow. And you know how old Mazel Tov is. Imagine how old the word Maseroth is. The book of yeah. Job is actually the oldest book in the Bible. It actually predates Genesis. Mm, okay. Get a job. So what is the Lord's challenge to Job? Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? You see those two metaphors, but they're openly talking about it. Uh-huh. Can you bring forth the constellation in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? The constellations are the zodiac above, and the bear and its cubs are Ursa Major, the great bear, mm-hmm. and Ursa Minor, part of the Big Dipper. Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens? That's Aquarius. Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions? That's Leo. Who provides food for the raven? That's the constellation Corvus, which means raven and borders on Virgo. Do you watch where the doe bears her fawn? Mariga, meaning deer, and is located in Orion. Who let the wild donkey go free? That's a Celis Borealis, meaning donkey, and is located in Cancer. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? That's Taurus. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. That's Lambda Achille, or Alpha Liman, which means two ostriches in Arabic. You give the horse its strength. It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side with the flashing spear and lance. Remember we brought up the spear before? Yeah. Sagittarius. Sagittarius with the bow and the arrow. Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? That's Aquila, which is the Latin name for eagle and is a constellation a few degrees above the celestial equator. Finally, he says, can you pull in Levethian with a fish hook? That's Pisces. Levethian was the fish god. Do you see God's response mm. to him? How it's all just encoded astrology? Yeah. Crazy. What's, what's, uh, Acelius Borealis? Acelius Borealis. It's, uh, Latin for donkey. So, it just means donkey. Yeah. Okay. I, I just see that Borea thing in there and it makes my, my ears perk up. Right. So, cause I, I, like I said, I'm, a, I'm a Scorpio. I, I identify with that. Uh, I've been told. Uh, on the cusp, and um, you, you said that it's uh, the transformation turns from Scorpio to Eagle. So, does the Eagle yeah. sort your command and build its nest on high? Is that is that another Scorpio interpretation? Well, there's there's um, Aquila is the Latin name for Eagle. I'm kind of torn between that. Yeah, I, I tend to think that it's it's talking about the constellation Eagle. Yeah, as opposed to the metaphysical transformation. In yeah. the same way Enoch becomes Metatron, he transforms into Metatron when he goes up to heaven. Yeah. It's the same kind of transformation here. Um, but you know, here's an, are you guys into UFC? Uh, not so much. Fighting? Yeah. MMA? I mean, uh, if it's on, I'll watch it. You know Khabib Nurmagomedov? Yeah. He's a Scorpio. Do you know what his nickname is? Eagle. The Flying Eagle. Oh. oh shit, that's tight. <laughs> is he badass? Yeah. He's nice. champion so how still, isn't he? Able, how, how, here are the questions from the beginning. Let's answer them. Okay. How is Jesus able to heal the blind? Well, if he's a human, he's the son of God. The blind man comes up to him, he touches him in his eyes, and you can see. But basically, the sun does the same thing. When it comes up in the morning, it touches your eyes. Suddenly, you can see again, because mm-hmm. at night, you can't see shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How he walked on water. You ever see the sunset? Shit. Dude, that is beautiful, bro. How Jesus healed the blind <laughs> as a as a as a as a blanket term of him being the sun and the light. And yep. like, he's known we as the light of the world. So like we were all blind and oh my god. 
All right, please continue. Okay. <laughs> so how he walked on water. Have you ever seen a sunset on a lake before? Yeah. The Damn sun was... literally walks on the Dude, lake. Yeah. The how he turned water into wine. So you remember um, the reason God is considered a man and um, Mother Earth is considered a woman has to do with God's sacred fluid, the rain. Okay. Um, it's called shemen in Hebrew. We get the word semen from it. It's the sacred fluid. What happens is God's shemen pours down on earth and impregnates Mother Earth. And then from her belly, all things grow. Okay. Is that so why we, there's two rains, like rain, R-A-I-N, and rain, R-E-I-G-N? That's just like, wordplay. That's just wordplay? That's just wordplay. That, that kind of seems like it has some significance. <laughs> Um, how he turned water into wine. So basically, God's rain comes down. April showers bring May flowers in Taurus, right? So you plant in Taurus. April showers bring May flowers. It rains and it rains and it rains. And then the grapes start to grow. And then you press them in labor. That's how you turn the water into wine. Hmm. And, Why and, he had 12 disciples? Because each one of the disciples represents the zodiac. A, represents one of the zodiac signs. I'll tell you this much right now. Uh, Judas represents Scorpio. Mm-hmm. And um Simon Peter, you heard of Simon Peter, right? You know how Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter? But that's not like a nickname. Like why would he change it to something completely different? Yeah. Peter was a fisherman. And the fisherman is Pisces. Do you know what the ruling planet of Pisces is? No. It's Jupiter or Jew Peter. Yeah, Whoa. That's, okay. that's, yeah. <laughs> Why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas, we went over that. Why is he dead for three days, we went over that. Why is his birthday on December 25th, we went over that. So the 12 disciples, there's been always an interchanging like between 12 and 13, right? And that has esoteric meaning behind it as well. Um, there's always, always 12 disciples. Um, in any of the gods that you look back in time in history, they always have 12 disciples. And the 12 tribes. 12 followers. 12 tribes. 13 yeah. uh, months, too, uh, based on the moon calendar. Do you have any, uh, like, a zodiac thing about Ophiuchus? Man, that's interesting. It's always bouncing between 12 and 13, though. Why is the 13? Like, it's all, it's fixed on 12, but there's this kind so of, like, error. 13, 13 is a secret. If you um, add Ophiuchus to the zodiac wheel, none of the science works that I'm teaching you. Okay. All the days change. Scorpio becomes a six-day-long sign, whereas uh, Capricorn or Sagittarius is like a month and a half. I don't become a Libra anymore. I become a Virgo. It right, is yeah, yeah, we all change. It's nonsense. The, the solstices and the equinox don't form the perfect cross anymore. This science doesn't uh, work. Oh, I'm really? going to show you how this wow. science works. That's Would it work cool. if the Earth had no tilt, if we were straight up and down? No. No, you talk about the 23 degree tilt we have. It wouldn't, no, yeah. it wouldn't change. Because the tilt's like this. Look, the tilt's like this, but it doesn't wobble. It's fixed. And it goes like this yeah. when it revolves. Okay. So it's a, it's a fixed thing. Is that due, do, do, uh, is that due to the toroidal field that comes from the earth giving it like its electromagnetic fix to? I'm not, I think it has to do, it has to do with the wobble of the earth. Interesting. Um, okay. But yeah, do you have any questions from this slide, Roman? You seem like you were like that was super sick. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that out of my ass so many times. How Jesus was healed <laughs> blind, how he walked on water, and how he turned water into wine. Those three right there, they flow together very well to give that 
overarching meaning that, you know, um, Jesus, this beautiful light, um, from, from God and from the heavens was basically exactly that. He, the you light. gotta remember too. You gotta remember too. Jesus is known as the light of the world. Yes. He's the only begotten son. Yeah. Ooh, chicken skins, bro. It's got chicken skins. Chicken skins. I never heard that one. <laughs> That's a, it's a Hawaii, Hawaii term. <laughs> okay. We're going to do the book of Matthew now. And I'm going to show you how this works through a whole gospel. Now, I've put pictures on the left for you to follow. Okay. okay? This is the zodiac wheel. This is a proper zodiac wheel. Capricorn's at the bottom, Cancer's on top, Aries is on the left, Libra's on the right. You, 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 you line across straight through, you see it. Matthew 3, 2, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Each gospel begins at one of the four major points of the zodiac and ends at one of them as well. The two solstices and the equinox when connected form a cross. The kingdom of heaven is Leo, whose ruling planet is the sun. This is the only planet that the sun rules over. Okay? This is the firmament between Cancer and Leo. The firmament, mm. okay? It says that the firmament shows God's handiwork. It's not like a dome over a flat earth. The firmament are these lines between the zodiac signs. These firmaments are the lines that, that, that house the sign. Okay. And these firmament in lines, um, some of them call them cusps. Some of them call them handover days. There's different words for them, but it means the same thing. But it's basically, it's one sign, the beginning of one sign to finishing one sign. That's what the firmament is. And in the Bible, there's, this, there's a passage that says the firmament shows God's handiwork, which is really the intricacy. Um, the firmament, okay, so Matthew 3, 4, John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. We take the most famous drawing of a man, Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, and superimpose it onto the Zodiac. We can make sense of this. Cancer being the head is why he eats the wild honey. Get it? The head is in cancer. His mouth is in cancer. His mouth would eat the the, the honey from the beehive cluster. Make wow. sense, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now watch. A little lower on the body is clothes made out of camel hair or camelopardalis, which is a constellation in Gemini. So right now you have the head in the upper body so far. Moving a little lower on the body, you see I highlighted Taurus, and it goes to his belly button. You get his midsection, which is where you would wear that belt, that leather belt. Uh, the leather comes from the cow, which is a female bull. And oh, the belt comes shit. from Orion's belt, which sits between Taurus and Gemini, which is right there. So that's how you get the leather belt. Ah, uh, man. Okay, next would be the baptism. Now, how are we going to go from the beginning of Leo to a water sign to signify the baptism? You would go across the zodiac. Cross signs, as they are known, are signs opposite locations. For example, Aries and Libra are cross signs. This is very important. The sign's two most important signs are its neighboring sign and its cross sign. This is all that's encoded in the book. It's always going to follow a pattern, and I'm going to show you the pattern. Here we see how it makes a leap from one firmament to the other. So we were at the beginning of Cancer and Leo, the beginning of Leo, the kingdom of heaven. And then we have to go here because we have John the Baptist. So we have to hit Aquarius. When you're at a firmament, you can talk about either side. Okay. When you're on a firmament, you could talk about Capricorn being the goat. You could talk about goats, kids, things of that nature. Aquarius, you could talk about man, water, fountain, things of that nature. But when you're only in one sign, you can only talk about that side. Does that make sense? It's not a very hard code to figure. It's just when you read it, it's easier. 
Here we see how it makes a leap from one firmament to the other. The man with the water pitcher in Aquarius is personified as John the Baptist with the water. It's important to note, too, that John the Baptist and Jesus are always exactly six months apart in the year. When you think about the fact that Jesus is born on December 25th and rises a degree a day, then that must mean that John the Baptist is born on June 24th and decrease a degree a day. This is why in John 3.30, John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's also why St. John's Day is exactly six months to the day of the birthday of Jesus. The next story is the temptation of Jesus. So we're going back to the Cancer Leo firmament of July 24th. So he's tempted for 40 days. So it's really simple, guys. Just count 40 days from set, from July 24th. That takes you to September 2nd, which is right in the heart of Virgo, the wheat, right? Remember that? Yeah. Now watch. What does the devil say? Matthew 4, 3. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So you see the mention of the bread there, which tells you that the son is actually in Virgo. Okay. Matthew mm-hmm. five seventeen and 22. I did not come to abolish the law. And if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. This takes place in the Virgo Libra firmament. So it just goes from Leo to the Virgo Libra firmament. So it's just following along the Zodiac. Okay. Matthew 7, 9, 10. If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Once again, this being the firm between Virgo and Libra, it is switched back to Virgo. Matthew 7, 15, 16. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, and can you pick grapes from the thorn bushes? The sheep are the ram and Aries, and you see how I've outlined it here on the picture? The sheep is on the left and Aries, yeah. and the grape in the thorn bushes is Libra. Once again, those are opposing signs. Moving along, along, Matthew 13, later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. The story now moves from Libra to the barrier between Aquarius and Pisces as he is right beside the lake or two water signs. It's a metaphor. He's beside the lake. So the lake would be Pisces. As it's across from Virgo, the wheat stalk the grains. Isn't it ironic that the next parables from Jesus are the wheat and the weeds, the mustard seed and the yeast? Okay. Moving right along, next is the fishing net parable. So we go back across from Leo Virgo to Aquarius Pisces and talk about the fish or Pisces. Then Gemini is the sign of two men, technically twins. However, there's just a short mention of brothers in the next passage. He's just the carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brother, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. This ends in the ferment of Gemini Cancer. How do we know this? Because the very next story is the death of John the Baptist. Now, the firmament between Sagittarius and Capricorn is is December 21st. That's the day of death. As I mentioned previously, death comes at the end of Sagittarius. Matthew 14, 17, and 32. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Well, the two fish are Pisces. Yeah. Remember Jesus multiplies this to feed the masses? Yeah. Well, the two fish are Pisces and the loaves of bread. Or Virgo the bread. Those are opposing signs. So, so what's a significant, like, that's, so if they're referencing the Zodiac at that point, what, and is it just basically saying, like, the times that the harvest is basically, like, giving you the it's information? Just, it's just telling you what is in each sign. Okay, wow. It's literally telling you, it's. And because there's a pattern, that's how you know they meant to do this. Pisces and Virgo are opposing signs. If they used Pisces and Cancer, it wouldn't make any sense because you can't draw a line across. It would be Pisces and Aries, Pisces and Aquarius, 
or Pisces and Virgo. And that's what I'm showing you is happening throughout this is there's always a pattern to this. This is the cross I was talking to you. Yep, there it is. Okay, this is what it looks like. The next is Libra, which is law and wine, remember? What stories do we get now? The story of the temple tax, the unforgiving debtor, divorce and marriage, and the parable of the vineyard worker. That's all keywords from from uh, Libra. Remember from earlier on? So as you can see at this point how things are encoded. Next after that, so we were in Libra, right? Because of this. The next is Scorpio. So next is the betrayal, of course. This is where Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. And then next is Sagittarius. This is where Jesus is crucified on the cross. And then he comes back to life three days later. On December 25th, the sun comes back up. And everybody celebrates because the sun is coming back up. Days are going to start getting longer. We're going to have the summer again. One more thing. Roman Catholic Catechism 2116. So do you guys agree that there's there's clearly astrology in the Bible? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent, bro. I think you did a great job at breaking that down. <laughs> okay. Now watch this. There's people that don't want you to know that. Roman Catholic Catechism 2116. All forms of divination are to be rejected. Recourse to Satan or demons conjuring up the dead or other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future. Consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance and recourse to mediums, all conceal a desire for power over time, history, and the last analysis of the human beings, as well as a wish to conciliate hidden power. They contradict the honor, respect, and loving fear that we owe to God alone. So there's clearly astrology, and the Catholic Church is clearly telling you there isn't, and it's evil. See the gaslighting that goes on? Yeah, yeah. Is that? Do you think that that relates to the Book of Enoch as well being stripped away? That type of like, yeah, hiding the information, hiding the higher spiritual connection between us and God. Yeah. Religion will keep you in the lower chakras, bud. Religion (laughs) will keep you in the lower chakras. You're never going to get saved if you read this literally. Yeah. Okay. If you read this literally, if you take this stuff literally, you're a monkey. Uh, I have so many other presentations. Homunculus. I have so many other presentations too that I could talk about. Um, this is also why you see the zodiacal rings in the early churches too, right? Or is that because they were, uh, you know, taken over by Christianity? The pagan temples were taken over. Is that it, or is it more? There's a church in a town called Megiddo, yes, in Israel. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this. There's a church called in, in called in Megiddo. And the way they found it is basically it was under an existing church. So what they did was like someone stepped through and almost fell through and they found out there was a church under it. So they excavated this fucking thing. It came out to the third century AD. It's one of the oldest churches on earth mm-hmm. that we still have. Right in the middle of the floor is a mosaic of Pisces, the two fish. Yep. The original churches knew this stuff. The original Christians knew this stuff. They knew this was an encoded book. And what they did is, what do evil people do? They they encode and and gaslight and manipulate. Manipulate. Yeah. This stuff is never supposed to be taken literally. So okay, do um, why is there no snake in the zodiac? Why why is that? I feel there like is. There Ophicus. Is. Ophicus is the snake bearer. 
Oh, okay. Because I was going to say that serpent energy goes deep into, you know, history. Is the, the, like, the, the jury's out on Ophicus, but I don't like it. I personally don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Because it does, it throws everything off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's, maybe that there's a reason for that too. Maybe that's, it's supposed to be this, oh, hey, it's here, but it's not here. It, it's, you know, maybe there's, there's something, uh, um, a hidden serpent. Yeah. Like a hit. Yeah. Something. The know, hidden hands. Constantly. I mean, it would be cool to, you know, your, your hand sign symbolism, which is an entire other. Uh, segue of rabbit holes to get down into. Have you seen that or have you just heard it? Oh, I've heard it. I haven't seen, you know, like the Grime America, uh, episode and stuff. You know, they don't have the video. So I like, I didn't know what sign you were doing, but, uh, and you have YouTube videos out, right? Or Rockfin or? Yeah, you can Google me, man. I'm all over the place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's been your most, uh, exciting, like, what, I guess the book that has just made you be like, yo, this, this makes me just absolutely joyous to write. The fourth one, probably. The, the fourth one? Okay. The fourth wow. one. I wrote it in 2017, 2018. And it's, the storyline goes something like this. There's a, and this is true, by the way. There's a jellyfish in Japan called the Irukanji jellyfish. Okay? And when it stings you, when it bites you, one of the side effects is it leaves you with an impending sense of doom. This has been documented hmm. where people like, beg the doctors to kill them because they can't take their lives anymore. And they just basically have to ride it out. Well, there's very wealthy people. You're going to see how this ties in. I wrote this in 2017, by the way, this wealthy, these elite, this very evil elite conglomerate decides to take this protein that makes people do that from this jellyfish and weaponize it into the newly named global flu vaccine. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that, and using the fear that the fear is a control mechanism. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's fucking deep. That's tight. I'm fully okay. Feel like a dick because I haven't <laughs> read any of your books, but like I'm absolutely going to now because, um, yesterday when I was doing some more digging on your stuff before I got wrapped up in the book of Enoch stuff, you know, you you say that you do it differently. You you tie in this fiction. So the storytelling, the art of storytelling, creating character development and stuff like that, and then tying in all of this really important symbolism. And for right. me, the way that my brain works, I feel like that's an, a way that I can easily understand that. Um, and so I really appreciate that style, bro. And I, I'm really stoked to dig into it. Thanks. If you want to, if you want to get the, well, let me plug first. So. Yeah. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On Twitter, I'm Real Mr. Dank. On Facebook and Instagram, I'm Micah Dank. If you reach out to me, I will send you autographed copies of my books. You know, we just set up a thing okay. on PayPal or, uh, or Venmo, whatever is most convenient okay. for you, I should say. But basically, I just got my, my thing back and, um, this last royalty check, I sold 2,000 books so far. Nice. Sweet. So it's getting out there. This stuff's getting out there. Well, fucking, well, how about, dude, like, I, we're going to share this episode, you know, and, uh, and I, I, I feel like you just, if you keep just fucking doing it and manifesting it and growing it and keep going on the podcast and shit, you're probably going to find yourself in a, do you want, ever want to be in a university fucking teaching this stuff? No, this stuff is, this stuff is bad, dude. Is it? Stuff, you're not supposed to be talking about this kind of stuff. Oh, shit. People think it's yeah. like pseudoscience. I'm the only one who's really decoding things this way. 
Like Enoch, no one's done that this way, from what I gather. I've done the Enuma Elish, if you've ever heard of that before. Yeah. Creation story. Has uh-huh. nothing to do with the Bible, and it's a complete astro-theological book, too. So the whole Epic of Gilgamesh? The Enuma Elish. Isn't that what the Epic of Gilgamesh is in? Yeah. Yeah. So All right. that that's uh, so there's another thing too I had in my notes I wanted to bring uh I wanted to ask if Enoch the story uh ties into the Anunnaki story at all. Um to me these are just stories. Yeah. Like like I wrote fiction books, right? Yeah. And there's stuff to decode in them for sure. For but sure. not every line is for decoding. Some stuff is just filler, some stuff is just story. Absolutely. So when they talk when they put God in these books or they yeah. put the Anunnaki in these books, this is just or, or the giants, this is just filler story. It's it's distracting from the real message. Wow. So do you have oh, so This is like, why it's so difficult to re- to take these books literally. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you do, you it's just confusing, right? It's it's more confusing to take it literally than it is to take it with a system and decode it yeah uh and which takes more prep work obviously to do that but once you really get into it you you'll just be winding uh, winding down the rabbit holes yeah that's wild so do you you, um what what is your uh like let's just say what what's your belief on the on the creation story like if you could just say like what makes you feel the most bubbly and warm in your belly i kind of go through I think God is a combination of God is infinite and we can't be apart from it. I think we're all a part of God, you know, and I go between that and kind of like what Einstein said. I believe in the God of Spinoza, the God who, who Spinoza's God would basically be like, I gave you all these rivers and lakes and trees and everything. Go out and enjoy it. Don't wor- don't 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 lock yourself up in temples worshiping me. Just go out and, 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 and live your life. That's how you worship me. So it's kind of like somewhere between that and that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's like that underlying unconditional love of everything connected and exactly. goodness. Nature. Yeah. Love it. So, yeah, uh, Dan, what you got, baby? What's good? <laughs> <laughs> What's good? I'm just, yeah, I'm just thinking about different astrological things now and like celestial stuff and like, like what you said earlier about, you know, us coming from that zodiacal sign is that like, is that where our soul is inherent? Like the 49 thing? That's, yeah, that's it. The that's, 49th day. Of, is that like, is the 49th day of us in the womb, is that our true zodiac or is our true zodiac? No, that's it's, when we it's get when our soul. It's when you're born and you take your, your breath. First breath. So when we take your, our first breath, yeah. that's our so So even 49 our soul, is just when your soul enters your body. Right. So, but it, it, that mean it would enter when we're in our fetal stage. So, well, does that see? That's what I'm saying. Does that have anything to do with uh, receiving the soul? Is that the zodiac we should be going by? No, no. Because think about it right now. Would you agree that your personality right now is vastly different than when you were five years old? Uh, probably, yeah. Okay, so it's probably the same thing from a, a, a newly gestated woman to to birth. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So what What do you think? What do you think that soul is? It's just awareness. Awareness. Yeah. It's just yeah. awareness. 
Consciousness being awareness. Consciousness. Being... Breath is interesting too when you connect breath to your your mind. You know when you can use the modality of breathing to to go deep into your awareness because that's really what you do with meditation is being aware of yourself at a heightened level and connecting the breath to that. And and like you said, like you know, uh, the elites want to you know keep us six feet away. Um, so we can't connect with anybody else's like unconditional love, awareness, Torito fields, energies, the Torito field to stop our breathing, to stop our flow from our, from our head to the, to the cosmos, you know? So what, so you have beef with, uh, astrology that's out now, like horoscopes that are in newspapers or anything like that. Yeah. I think it's cheapened. Yeah, for sure. Is there a point to that? Do you think there, that's, that's been promoted? Yeah, they are. They're promoting dumb astrology so that people, a lot of people can look at that astrology and be like, this is stupid. And then assume that all astrology is idiotic. <laughs> oh, there's one more thing. Okay. I want to see if I can try to make this note make sense because I'm not an English major. So sometimes <laughs> things I write down make zero sense. Um, has there and will there always be esoteric information? The rambling road of reality is a digging into the foundation as a rabbit hole of creation is that of the depth of consciousness, seemingly never ending. So in that is a question. Esoteric information, do you think at the writing of the Bible? Do you think esoteric information predates that always have just like there being some yes. hidden info? Yes. The further we go along in time, the more militant people become with their own religions the egyptians were the people of taurus right and then they started to fade and the jewish people with their bible they became the prevalent people and then towards the end of aries they start to fade their numbers go down and then christians come up in the time pisces. of pisces mm -hmm. right and then now pisces is over for the last nine years so their time is done so their numbers are going to start to go down and just like the Jews, there's going to be like a small sect that stay very religious, but there's going to be a new world religion. What do you think that world religion is going to be? Because a lot of people say scientism. Yeah, I think it's going to be merging with machines. Oh, 100. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> so that's, so what would the new god of machines be? Is there going to be a new god or is there just going to be a new age where it's more technocratic and... Is well, they switch it up a little empire? bit. They, they switch it up a little bit. Like, last god was Jesus, and they made him a literal person, and then they changed the times. They uh -huh. used to have a calendar. Do you think the ancients used to have, like, before Christ? No. No, they didn't. That was something that was completely changed. There's going to be something different that comes along. It'll probably be an AI type. It'll probably be something that's been programmed. Something you see it in a lot of movies too, like like AM after machines or something. Yeah, or like before you know, COVID and after COVID. <laughs> before the penetration into your fucking your brain, it's like Elon Musk, this guy who just randomly pops up, you know, and he's kind of like this character of like, I'm cool, I'm autistic, so you gotta like me, and also I'm very rich and kind of funny and awkward also give me your brain and let me put a fucking tracking chip in it all right and let me tell you about mrna and how it's basically an ai algorithm and this uh new vaccine is an mrna thing and we can control your fucking genes through ai dear sweet lord we are fucked <laughs> sorry that was uh 
So, a little, a little bit off track for you, but uh, because we're talking about like what the new god is and it's this age of Aquarius, I, I know a lot of people do say like it's a technocratic takeover. But what I also see popping up a lot lately is this whole UFO thing and alien agenda, and and I I can't get past that. And the, that show Ancient Aliens been on for so long, and all these movies with aliens in them. It seems like they're trying to like move us in the direction of getting us to be scared of aliens and but also at the same time to believe that these aliens exist. So I what I just can't help to wonder if the new age is is going to be worshiping these alien deities oh. and does that come in the same form as like a technocratic takeover like is it is it like an AI is it, are aliens an artificial intelligence or is that oh a, shit a being. That's a fun thread. I like that. Jeez, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 uh that's interesting, bro, because yeah, like if you just look I do have to get going though, guys. I'm sorry. Yes. Just, okay. yes. All right. Uh beautiful. Okay. Well thank you so much, Micah, for your time. Everybody check out yeah, the book. Uh check out all the other fucking shit he's been on. It's amazing. Uh you all are amazing. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. Have a good one.